I believe we are live on YouTube now. We have decided that Orange Man bad, uh, Strawberry Kiwi Man good. I think that's dirty, where we're at. Dirty drink, right, man? Neutral. <laughs> everybody, everybody yeah. is all right with yeah. drink, man. Are, are we also all in agreement that if you have like a an Econoline and just a bunch of twenty dollar bills, you can pick up a bunch of homeless people and just kind of do whatever the fuck you want to them? Well, preferable you want to you want to use one of those uh those Mercedes. In the name I think of science, dude. Bum fights already those, did this, and it was awesome. Yeah, no, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be like the fucking Joseph. Bro, the CIA already did this, and it was people. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we got we got that little man with Charles Manson. Brad, do you remember Hell when yeah. the CIA slipped you acid? No, I God, slipped I myself wish. the acid <laughs> because you're in the CIA. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As long as we got Dude, everything straight. Would you imagine straight. if the CIA like, tried to dose yeah, you? Would you just like fucking sticking each other's coffee in the morning just to fuck with each other? <laughs> it's a great time, just like college. Like, it's like it. try to fucking dose me, Fed. You know, like try me. You're not gonna drive me crazy. What are you gonna do? What, how much you give me? You think <laughs> I never had a bad trip before? You think I've never had fucking eyes staring at me from the cracks in my walls before? Like, no. This is this yeah, is where I live. You here, you gonna paint my walls red, bro? Come on. I have I a razor blade. Them. I'll <laughs> scrape off every inch of that before the fucking sun comes up. You guys ever been tripping so hard and like you're tripping all night long and then like the birds start chirping in the morning and it's like 6 a.m. and it's all just like a, a joke being played. Shut the fuck up! Some of us are trying to sleep here. Some of us have been up since fucking for 72 hours high on Adderall. See, uh, last time uh, I, I tripped, the problem I was really it wasn't birds. That like acid isn't like some weird spiritual experience when I started seeing fractals and like catch shit in the litter box like, oh, <laughs> wow life no, is beautiful i'm just, I'm just, yeah, it's just yeah, drugs, bro. i can't believe my eyes <laughs> it's just fucking drugs sitting bro. on it I, I, I too was sitting on the toilet staring at my tiles <laughs> we've all been there and just saw the cat's litter box and i was like life truly is beautiful while we're talking about I drugs and who... fucking 72 hour acid trips i want to mention that always remember this boys if you get doxxed and they find out all your weird fucking fetishes just tell them you were binging on Adderall and you looked up every fetish known to man. You can't remember all of them, but you seen them all. It's both funny and relatable. That's true. I mean, if, if you're up that long, you have to get more content. Yeah, it's all, do it for the content. Satiate yourself. All the Pornhub yeah. achievements for the content. If we could, how about if we do a speed run? Speed run? It was for a TikTok. Well, that's the whole. Guys. That's the seventy-two hours, right? That's what, that's what you call that, right? The speed run. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, it's like fucking. What's that fucking game in the fucking mall for seventy-two hours with the zombies? Only you're jerking off. By the time you're fucking done the seventy-two hours, your dick looks like one of the zombies. No, it's just it's called gooning. It's a regular thing. It's it's a, it's like how you train to be a better tantric yogi. I should know. Cool. I thought that was called gooning, joking. Gooning. <laughs> no, gooning. Look, joking is some high-level tantric uh, ritual. You you shouldn't talk about that out loud. I mean, they're, the people aren't ready for the jelk pill. I'm talking, oh, shit. I'm talking about when you joke for like hours and hours at a time until you become one with the jelk zone. Look, my dick is about 15 inches long, but it's it's really thin. Like, the skin is really thin because I've stretched it out so fucking big, so it'll just pop like a fucking water balloon one day. You, you, need, you, need, you need to do 
more things with the herbal <laughs> medicines. You can't Jiggle just your get some uh, some fucking needles in my dick, it. some fucking Chinese medicine, some acupuncture, oh, and your internal medicine and your external <laughs> medicine. See, you need you need to have your qigong and your your wide and your external elixir. That's exactly, exactly. Uh, keep you your herbs by, by and your spices. Your Dude, Dude, all of this talk, this is all the right hand path. The left hand path is gas station boner pills. I guess so. <laughs> That's why, that was exactly what I said when they legalized uh, weed. You know, with you've said where you live, you live in New Jersey. So in fucking Jersey, I was like, yeah, that doesn't matter to Yakov. You can't get it at the fucking gas station. Why would he? Dude, I, I'm, a, he I'm a Delta Eight addict at this point. I need to get my fix of Delta Eight. The real stuff doesn't do it for me anymore. I'm hopelessly addicted <laughs> to the gas station vapes. The Delta Eight is slightly addictive. I when I when I got <laughs> that's out of the, the gayest really thing I've ever heard. I was being ironic, okay? <laughs> no, it, it, it's slightly addictive for some reason because it doesn't quite get you there. That's the issue. So you want more. You're like, man, and it tastes like plastic. Look, man, I intended <laughs> to fucking puff this thing all goddamn day long, nonstop, regardless. It's probably for the best that I'm not getting as smashed as I would be otherwise. I have to go. I have to go to work at some point. You understand? Um, oh, so do I. I forgot it's a Sunday. <laughs> Jesus, look at the time. Shit. <laughs> anyway, we got your friend Yakov, quote unquote toilet nigga. Uh we got crippled nigga. What up, Mod? Well We got K98 in the call. Loaf coach. Senor. What what's Gucci? Southern Polak. What's up? Stone Claw Brad Wilson. What up, bro? Are you still here? He's fucking being a dick. Yeah. He's being a dick. This is pretty good banter. Out of nowhere. Sorry, I need to go shut the office door. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Is that some sort of like Wignat code? He's joking. He's joking. He's got to go watch uh, Matt Heimbach. I was gonna say something. Remember my mom walking away. Joking. He's, he's, gotta go, he's gotta go get Heimbach pills and, and watch it stand on the crates. I should chief through the two I should chief through the hoot too. So we can waste some time now reading about cannibals. Monstrous appetites, giants, cannibalism, and insatiable eating in Enochic literature by Matthew Goff from Florida State University. You're telling me Matt wrote a book on eating things? (laughs) Nobody else seems very excited. I want to hear about the giants. I want to hear about the cannibal giants. Yes. I think, especially if it's done by a guy guy from Florida, because, like, here in the great state of Florida, we don't have very many, you know, myths other than our, you know, drug-addled people. Hmm. We got the swamp ape, but I only saw... The stink monkey? when he came into my tent that one time and I didn't see him for very long. Just he got spooned? Like, the rag and, yeah, after, <laughs> after he put that rag around my mouth, you know, I woke up later and it was just, you know, it was painful but also very comforting for some reason. You got warm and cozy like a hot melon marshmallow. The abstract. <clears throat> In different ways, the Book of Watchers, the Animal Apocalypse, Jubilees, and the Book of Giants present the insatiable appetite of the giants as the key for understanding their crimes, which include murder, anthropophagy, anthro, is that, am I saying that right, Mud? 
I feel like you would know. Man eater. I don't know. Too goddamn small. And the consumption of blood. Blood plays a major role in the retribution by the angels against them. The appetite of the giants affects their recompense in that their bodies, not their spirits, are destroyed. In this form, they can no longer eat, but, this essay suggests, their overwhelming hunger remains. The ancient Near Eastern background of depicting violence and death with language of eating is also explored. The theme of appetite is critical for understanding the giants and their crimes on Earth. I only sacrifice to myself, to the gods never, and to this belly of mine, the greatest of all gods, the giant Pantagruel. I don't know what the fuck that is. Citing the, the Cyclops Polyphemus from Euripides. I have no idea what the fuck Euripides. that is. So oh, Euripides was a uh, normal Greek playwright. Why? Lord. Alright. So, the connection between the Hellenic world and the Greek world uh, and the Middle East or the Near East. As they called it there. The Hellenic you world this, is the this... Greek world. I know, I know, that's what I meant. I just, some people don't know what Hellenic means. There's a difference between a clo- cloaca and an anus. Cloacal, so cloacalism. Mostly for shitting. Oh, shit, the other one I don't have a drink, I gotta go like... get a drink. Go you burn, need burn to get some time. to the point where you use your belly button for that. Man, so if I heard that correctly, they can no longer eat butt, right? Is that what I heard? No, no longer rim. They're not rimming anymore. Nope. Nobody's gonna work, work from that. I thought it was the ancient Greek way to rim. <laughs> well, rim. Oh is man. Thing. You, you, Great content. You rim with the parents' permission first. Yeah, I mean the Greeks would eat. Where the uh, fuck they, were we? They weren't it was a down, sacred dude. thing, so would, when, the, when the giants were cursed, and they weren't allowed one at a time, boys. <laughs> one at a fucking time. Holy shit! So ring, we're talking about ring, the, ring. the giants of the Book of Enoch, or from Genesis six, uh, possibly the yeah. fallen angels. That's what we're going over right now. I've never heard of the animal apocalypse. I've heard of jubilees and the Book of Giants. They are also apocryphal texts, much like Enoch. Have you ever heard of the Animal Apocalypse mod? No. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Me either, but it does sound awesome. I'm an animal, don't tell me about it. Oh yeah, I got a drink because we said to wake a bunch of times. Uh, I don't know. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's true. One dork at a time. Introduction. <laughs> Scholarship. I know the Great Kali wrestled in New Japan. Scholarship. Yeah, I love them in Japan. Scholarship. <clears throat> Scholarship on the Book of the Watchers and First Enoch in general has paid a great deal of attention to the actions of the Watchers on Earth, such as their sexual relations with human women and their disclosure of heavenly secrets to them. Commentators generally focus on their offspring, the giants, as a consequence of the transgression of heavenly worldly boundaries presented by their parents. There has been much less consideration of a related key point. What the giants actually do on Earth. 
Their crimes, which include murder, cannibalism, and the consumption of blood are driven by their insatiable appetites. In this article, I demonstrate that this is not only the case in the Book of the Watchers, but also that, that the twin themes of appetite and consumption are important in other Enochic texts that reformulate the Watchers' story, including Jubilees, the Book of Giants, and the Animal Apocalypse. The importance of the theme of eating is also reflected in the punishment of the giants, who are forced to exist as spirits that cannot eat. I also speculate about the ancient Near Eastern literary background of the trope of destructive consumption. So, yeah, it, it almost starts sounding like uh, like Wendigo stuff. You can tie a lot of things into it. Yeah, that's like. what I was saying. Yeah. yeah, because you get the, the cursed spirit where it's always hungry, but never full. That's true. Well, I don't know, I'm not quite seeing yeah. the Wendigo connection. Well, it's just the, the insatiable appetite. Wendigo, yeah. Wendigo yeah. is more is more of a is more similar to Norse Draugr, if anything. Well, but I think both represent a, a crossover between like Where, something worldly werewolves. and something something else. Yeah. You could say demonic or something like that. Werewolves and vampires, yeah. it's the same thing, guys. Well, no, werewolves and vampires <laughs> represent sexual perversion, as the giants do, because the ancients believed that the stomach or appetite was connected to sexual appetites and sexual urges. I just realized I had okay. mod fucking muted this whole time. I figured you That's did. Right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we got we got Plunet Zero in the chat. Whoop whoop upon you and your tribes. Whoop whoop. Trey Fesk, get your chakras whoop, whoop. and prostrate in line. Or the in line the you got more in line fucking references. Christ. Congratulations. Everybody Kay. should pray in a line. Or smoke weed and take gas station dick pills. That's also an option. Mm-hmm. Scar in the chat, sped. Who needs who need their swussy eight? Not me. Possibly me. Trey asks, do Cyclops femoids have only one booba? Asking for a friend. Yes, sir. Scar is glad to see Mwad. Where are we here? Everyone's everyone's I'm glad, glad to, see to see Mwad. Scar. Yeah. Yeah. Is an e-girl is an e-girl profile pink. Brian's my day. Love it. Gotta love it. Destructive Giants in 1st Enoch 6-11 through According to the Book of the Watchers, soon after the giants are born, they begin to eat insatiably, which leads to a cycle of increasing violence. The versions of the core text for this issue, 1st Enoch 7-3-5, are notably different from one another. Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't know what that's supposed to say. Uh, This by itself is too fragmentary to yield a full translation, but contains the following information. The offspring yeah, of the like watch. What? Yeah, they're inferring like two different people wrote it, basically. Is what well, saying. that's the thing so, about a lot of these. Like yeah. the Book of Enoch, it's it's only the only place it exists in full is in Ethiopian texts. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, we have found scrolls of Enoch from much earlier, partial texts, where we can basically verify like the first thirty-eight verses or so are on point. Ooh. Does that prove okay. that the rest of the book is is legitimate too? I don't know. No, no. It means that the first portion is legit. Well, exactly. They might have added more stuff yeah. later. You could call it like evidence that the rest like of it of is real. You could call it evidence. I think the rest yeah. of it is it should be looked at as potentially being from the original text, unless we analyze it further and determine yeah. that it was added later. 
Yeah. The, the rest of it is real. Israel. Israel? Israel. You know. Israel. <laughs> Weak Nats together. <laughs> you know, on the subject of giants, with the giants amongst men that walked Earth today, how big is Batista's dick? <laughs> it is well, small by comparison. Three and twelve three inch. and quarter. The Iron Sheik said twelve inch. I'm going with he said ten inch. I That's know, ten. I know his dick is small because I made fun of. I just assuming <laughs> I made fun of his tiny Filipino penis on Twitter, and he reported me, and I got blocked or I got banned, banned from Twitter. So I'm assuming yes. that that it really hit close to home. He's got a tiny little peeper. That's what happened. <laughs> it also gets brought up every time there's a shoot interview. I don't understand. Well, it was a meme. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Gives a fuck. Nobody fucking cares about Batista. Well, he's, a, he's a giant amongst men. He's a Leviathan, you know? He was a Leviathan. Anyway. That's what I call my penis. The offspring of the Watchers and women were born upon the earth. They eat the toil of all humankind. The word eat is reasonably reconstructed. They begin to kill people. They sin against animals. They eat flesh, but who's exactly on the basis? But who's exactly on the basis of the Aramaic alone is not clear. No extant portion of this fucking what is this? What does this shit mean, Wad? Do you know? You're a scholar. Four Q E N A one. It's a type of pronunciation of Aramaic. Uh, you see it on Facebook a lot. Arabs will type in like a broken. English and it'll translate it. Okay, so no extant portion of this text states the sound. Okay, so no portion of this text states that they drink blood. They were drinking the blood, however, is one of the few visible phrases in the corresponding section. Whose blood is imbibed is not clear in the Aramaic. It is reasonable, however, to posit that the giants sin by consuming animals and drinking their blood. This is supported by the Greek text of Watchers from... What? Uh, what <laughs> Panopolitanian? Panopolitanus. That guy. So according to this manuscript, first Enoch 7, 2 through 5 reads, The women became pregnant and gave birth to great giants, 3,000 cubits tall. They ate the labors of men. As they were unable to supply them, the giants grew bold against them and devoured the men. They began to sin against birds, animals, reptiles, and fish to eat the flesh of each other. And they drank the blood. 3,000 cubits tall, how big is that? Isn't that like a really tall? A is like a hand width. So yeah, big as shit, basically. Big as shit. Gotcha. <laughs> Almost as big as my penis. I think mine might be larger. Big no. as shit. They drink big blood. Shit. The Aramaic texts do not give the height of the creatures, must let, much less the extremely large stature of 3,000 cubits, or approximately 1,500 meters in height. The 4,500 feet. The crime of anthropophagy is explicit in the G-Pan text, whatever that is, but not as evident in the Aramaic. The Greek text states that they ate men. The Aramaic here is extant. It says rather that they began to kill men. Uh, in the one text and the Ethiopic, I wish I knew what any of this meant, like G-Pan. Like, they're all just like shorthand for these different texts. 
that are basically are they so mud would they be like talking about texts that are different translations of the same thing yes they, okay they were they're probably shorthand for for phonetic or how you would pronounce the text name okay because i see the same the same thing we do the same thing basically for like arabic and seeing how Aramaic and Arabic are basically cousins. Yeah. So, in the G-Pan text, which I'm assuming it's like Greek or something, and in the Ethiopic, Ethiopic, it is clear that they, they eat the flesh and drink the blood of one another. It is reasonable to posit that the word of uh, fucking... Ra, what is this? The Ethiopian Ra-Ai, or some shit like that, is a translation of some fucking Hebrew word that it says that I can't fucking read. This term, however, is not extant in the corresponding passages of the Aramaic Enoch text. So basically he's talking about like semantics over over like killing or explicitly eating. And that some texts have the drinking blood and some don't. So basically what this would do would create uh, debates like theologically. Like when a lot of people read the text of Genesis 6 and they read about the giants... There's right. nothing like explicit in there that that would tell you in like modern language that this is definitely like a supernatural thing because it talks about mighty men, men yeah. of renown. Like it could be yeah. in our the way we understand things metaphorically today, it's usually argued that these are spiritual giants. These are celebrities of of the time. That sort of no, thing. No, that would that would be That seems like a very modern I don't. Yeah, think, that, that sounds the, almost like an evangelical. If you put well, it, it is usually a, it's usually a Protestant thing. If you put it no, in no, 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 you guys, you guys don't understand. Uh, what, in, in, ancient, a, in ancient point, times, people didn't speak. fucking finish what you're saying. So, <laughs> if you put into historical context, the people that were living at this time wouldn't see it as metaphorical. Well, and I think the reason that it is seen as metaphorical is because so much time was spent with just the biblical canon, unable to even reference anything else as far as like Christianity in America. People didn't right. know what the Book of Enoch was. They they didn't understand the references to giants in, in say, like Muslim literature or, you know, even whatever, wherever, because it's all over the place. Right. Before, yeah, before the advent of... of of Muslim alchemy in the Western world and like in in the time the Bible was written and in the time of Moses people only spoke in forms of allegory there was no scientific thinking or talking about the world in terms of objective reality there were only metaphors in terms of speech which is not to say that they didn't have ways of thinking about the world that were objective, because they obviously have objective perception of reality in so much as a human being can. They're probably a lot wiser than us, but at the same time, when they spoke, they only spoke in allegory, because that's all that there was. Well, I think at the time. that's that's the best way to teach teach people, I think, and especially if they're illiterate. They're yeah, gonna they're gonna remember stories, stories, stories that they enjoyed, and that's what's going to give them their like you know moral foundation or whatever. Yeah, and their culture, yeah, kind of, yeah. So, despite yeah. their differences, 
the Aramaic and the Gpan versions of First Enoch 7, 3 through 5 both emphasize one important point. The giant's appetite is the key factor motivating their destructive activities. They begin by eating the toil of the humans. When this is insufficient, they eat the humans themselves. This does not satisfy their appetites. So as suggested by Gpan, they eat creatures from all categories of the animal kingdom, being beings that fly, walk, creep, and swim. And, their appetites still not sated, they proceed to eat one another. Watchers interprets Genesis in a way that expands the scope of the threat posed by the offspring of the sons of the Watchers, who would be the Nephilim. And you know, the thing is, too, the, uh, with the, the bargaining with farmers and stuff for their food, yeah. that reminds me of, like, Norse giant mythology, where you have, like, a, a troll. Well, it sounds like Bigfoot, too. Yeah, yeah, where you have ego bros and... What's a troll? Is this other than a Bigfoot? Almost like yeah. all of this is real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where the fuck real. They threaten all creatures of the world, including fish, which are reasonably enough not mentioned in the catalog of animal life to be wiped out in the flood by Genesis 6 7. Fucking dolphin, man. It's a fucking tuna! It's a tuna! We've seen some shit we had never seen before! Baby whale! Son of fish. The consumption perpetrated by the giants threatens not only humankind, but the entire natural order. Not surprisingly, their appetites are a factor in their own destruction. The angels do not punish the giants by overpowering them militarily. Rather, Gabriel is dispatched to instigate them to destroy one another in a war of destruction. Since they were already eating one another, Gabriel's task does not seem particularly difficult. The destructive tendencies of the giants are inextricably, inextricably linked to their appetites. They harm the world and each other because they cannot control their appetites. This has disastrous consequences for both them and the world. Yeah, and I mean, that's like, that is pretty much like a metaphor for like what we see in, in the current times, like by the people who rule the world. Their appetites yeah, are harming themselves easy. and the world. Yes. Right. Yeah. And these are the people who are said to be the descendants of the Nephilim. Well. Yeah. Sons of Cain. Yeah. Bigfoot is a descendant of Cain. Not the That's Nephilim. what the Mormons say. That's what the Mormons Nephilim say. Is right. No Mormons are right about everything. <laughs> Werewolves are vampires. Nephilims are Bigfoot. It's Yetis versus Bigfoots. When you die, you get your own planet. That's true. One day we're going to get... Dynamic. We got Polak's new mic on the way. It's in the mail, everybody. Don't worry. Yeah, I know. I sound like... I sound like a fucking dog turd. sound like a water. fucking tuna. The baby He's whale in the to... water. He's calling live in the show on eye toy. What is it? <laughs> fucking crippled. The crimes and the appetite of the giants in other Enochic texts. The destructive appetites of the giants are prominent in other Enochic texts that attest versions of the Watcher's myth. This is the case, for example, in the Book of Giants. Uh, this text attests the phrase, the phrases, it did not suffice for them, and they sought to consume much. This text probably stated originally that the giants' excessive eating began just after they were born. Line 3 attests the word they begat, presumably referring to the engendering of the giants. Several commentators reasonably understand this text as the beginning of the composition, or at least as the earliest part of the narrative that is extant. 
As in Watchers, the impression is that soon after the giants appear on Earth, they begin to consume excessively. Also, as seen... in... What's up? Oh, no, never mind. I was just going to say, we've seen Bigfoot getting it on, making that urine. We've seen it. Baby. Seen it. We've seen it. I seen footage. Also, as in Watchers, in the Book of Giants, the giants eating is associated with murder, which is very similar to Wendigos again. Yeah, yeah, because you have to kill like a family member. Yeah, yeah. So many of the Wendigo myths start by like there's a you know a brutal winter. There's nothing to eat. Your family members start dying, and you eat the dead ones. Turn feral. Yeah, and then you, and then like the spirit possesses you because you open yourself to possession. He became a ghoul. Same thing with the Wolfman yeah. of Flemish mythology. Yeah. Well, the feral ghoul could easily become a lycanthrope. Yeah, this is the same thing with Grendel. You eat people. The feral ghoul could also become a type of undead. Unfortunately. Yeah, like the ghoul. Like what that guy had in the Romanian zoo. What? Unfortunately, the key texts are highly fragmentary. In the line immediately after the reference to the birth of the giants, there is the phrase, in its blood. The full context of this statement is not clear, but since lines 5 through 6 emphasize that the giants are not satisfied and eat much, it seems that the bloodline in in line 4 is a reference to murder and perhaps anthropophagy. We gotta fucking look that one up. Hold up. That's Anthros... Is that what it is? Eating people? Why would you say cannibalism is a way cooler word is all I'm It could be eating cum this entire time. That's true. It's definitely the secret of Gnosticism. Although the murder and anthropophagy are never explicit in the Book of Giants. There is no surviving reference in the composition to the the giants drinking blood. Nevertheless, this text provides an impression of the destructive rampages of the giants on Earth. This is also evident in blah 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 other texts, that they killed many. Uh, This text associates the crimes of the giants with their eating, although the text is too fragmentary to provide a full narrative. Line 10 mentions that they they did not find enough food to be satisfied. This is parallel to First Enoch seven. Strongly suggests uh, this parallel strongly suggests that the antecedent is the giants. I don't know what that means. Let me think on that for a second. Gives a shit. The antecedent is the giants. That's true. Homer sounds like an antagonist to like another antecedent. Is person. Uh, antecedent. Completely different word from antagonist. <laughs> antecedent is okay, precedent. Because precedent is antecedent. Okay. This is also indicated by this other text, which states that they caused extensive damage. Great damage they inflicted on the Earth. Line 8 mentions destruction and death. As Stukenbrook has aptly argued, this fragment, while not preserving a full account, describes the violent activities of the giants. Although little of the relevant text survives, the Book of Giants establishes a clear association between the violence of the giants and their appetites. The theme of the insatiable appetites of the giants is also attested, uh, I suggest, in this other text. The surviving portion of this composite text lists large quantities of animals and produce. 200 donkeys, 200 wild asses, 200 sheep, 200 rams, field from every living creature, and thousands from a grapevine. How many animals and livestock and vegetables did the Japanese people give to their monkey gods? 
Um, in all the stories, in all the stories of monkey gods I've heard, they always like steal beautiful women. Right, but the villagers were yeah. with like stuff, and the beautiful woman was the the trophy Just thing. Junk, really. Would you eat a hundred wild asses? I would. I would eat. I would eat as many asses as you put in front of me, dude. And how many rock apes is in Vietnam? Couple. And we heard there's well, like a hundred of them, and so you got like a hundred monkey people all on a mountain. 200 donkeys. Eating ass. Eating yeah. ass. Always eating ass. Spreading spread the cloaca. There you go. Drink up. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Reeves understands this text as referring to the cargo of Noah's Ark. Wake up. No surviving portion of the co- composition, however, mentions Noah directly or gives an unambiguous account of the Ark or its contents. So that's interesting that to say that this is a reference to the Ark when Noah's flood was basically to destroy the Nephilim. Yeah, and destroy all the corrupted that have been tainted. Yeah. yeah. Stuckenbrook, following Malik, suggests that the text refers to the post-Diluvian fertility to occur following the destruction of the giants in the tradition of First Enoch 10. However, post-Diluvian abundance is never unambiguously a theme of the Book of Giants. I propose that this text is a remnant of a list of the a list of the animals and produce that the giants consumed. The theme of excessive eating by the giants in the Book of Giants and Watchers makes it reasonable to understand this text in this way. Two later compositions support this interpretation. The late rabbinic compilation, the Midrash of Semhazai and Azael which is attested in the Chronicles of Jeremiah. How the fuck do I say this shit, dude? I don't know, but my excessive eating has made me grow gigantic as well. They attest giant traditions found in the Qumran Book of Giants. So I believe that is part of like the Dead Sea Scrolls or whatever the fuck. Some shit uh-huh. like that. Yeah. This yeah. work contains a list of animals that two giants, the brothers Heya and Aheya, would consume daily. In the composition, their father Semhazai says, How shall my children live, and what shall become of my children? For each one of them eats daily a thousand camels, a thousand horses, a thousand oxen, and all kinds of animals. This list, which claims that the two brothers ate a total of two thousand of several types of animals daily, can be understood as a later elaboration of an older tradition that is preserved in the previous text, which enumerates a catalog of smaller but still large numbers of animals that the giants consumed. These numbers just got multiplied every ten generations. I mean, that's bigger. that's what happens when you read these Hebrew texts. Yeah. <laughs> Six million, I'm going easy here. I'm trying not trying I'll to tread the line. <laughs> the the fragment fragmentary Manichaean book of giants also contains How many ovens do you think these giants had? I mean you, but the thing is it's not even worth it because you couldn't cook enough of those animals like before fucking sundown there's not enough day to cook all those animals and probably only ate one animal the fragmentary manichaean book of giants also contains traditions preserved in the qumran book of giants fragment one of the main texts of this composition contains a list of several kinds of animals 200 in number as in the previous text it is not stated specifically, but the mention of wine in the passage suggests that the animals in the list are considered food. The evidence is not conclusive, but 
the one text, whatever, one, one Q two, three, one plus six plus two, two. Let me just read it out for you. That'll be helpful, yeah. right? Can be reasonably interpreted as a remnant of a catalog of the kinds and amounts of animals and produce consumed by the giants. Just a big fucking grocery list. That's it. Yes. The tropes of excessive eating and cannibalism are present, but reformulated in the Book of Jubilees. I heard they got the tax returns uh, from Mani, the founder of Monarchism. They got his taxes? They couldn't even get Trump's taxes. Right. (laughs) People are like, oh, can we prove Jesus exists? And I'm like, well, that'd be nice. But anyway, evidence forthcoming. The text Uh, associates these themes not only with the giants, but rather the creatures of the earth in general. Jubilees 5-2 reads, And injustice increased upon the earth, and all flesh corrupted its way. Man and cattle and beasts and birds and everything which walks upon the earth. And they all corrupted their way and their ordinances, and they began to eat one another. The author of Jubilees 5, which shows extensive reliance on the Book of of Watchers, in particular 1st Enoch 10-11, through presumably knew the Enoch motif of giants' horrific acts of consumption and transferred it to animal life in general to uh, to legitimate the introduction of the Flood. Familiarity with the cannibalistic giants of the Watchers' story is evident in Jubilees 7.22, in which the Watchers beget sons who eat one another. In Jubilees, the giants' propensity towards violence is a factor in how archangels punish the giants for their crimes, as in the Book of Watchers. One of the archangels, probably Gabriel, sends his sword against the giants. They are not destroyed, however, by being slain by the angel. Rather, they kill one another and fall upon the sword. Reminiscent of the revelation of weapon-making in 1 Enoch 8.1, the introduction of the sword among the giants foments their own violent tendencies. They proceed to destroy one another. So in Enoch, uh, the fallen angels, the watchers, the giants, whatever, they, they are the ones who give men technology uh, to, to like smelt metals, to, to create weapons, um, all sorts yeah. of weird stuff. Uh, astrology, like glamour, like makeup and shit like that, other magical arts. Uh, so so the point here would be that the the wickedness that the fallen ones brought to the people are the same things that would kill them in the end. Live by the sword, oh, yes. die by the sword yeah. type thing. A Sith. How does a Sith master die by the hand of his apprentice? The dangerous appetites of the giants also play a role in the allegorical formulation of the Watcher's myth in the animal apocalypse. The giants are reconfigured as elephants, camels, and asses. In the animal apocalypse, the crime of the giants is not, ironically, that they consume the animals of the earth. In a Freudian twist on the consumption trope, the text envisions a violent scene in which the giants fight with and eventually eat their fathers, the Watchers, who are imagined as bulls once they descend to earth. And all the bulls feared them, the elephants, camels, and asses, and were terrified before them. And they began to bite with their teeth and devour and gore with their horns. And they began to devour those bulls. And look, all the sons of the earth began to tremble and quake before them and to flee. The motif of the fear of the angels towards their own children is not in Watchers. Tiller understands the goring as carried out by the Watchers against the giants. The violence is perpetrated by animals using their horns, he argues, and none of the three giant kinds of animals have horns, whereas bulls do. But in the passage, the bulls are devoured. This suggests that they are the victims, not the agents of the goring. 
Moreover, the phrase, with their horns, in 1st Enoch 86.5, does not necessarily denote the horns of bulls, in which, in which case the image would signify the watchers. Horn, in Ethiopic, is the word used for elephant tusks. Contra, contra tiller, it is plausible to understand 1st Enoch 86.5-6 through 6, as describing the actions of the animals that represent the giants, committed, action, committed against the watchers. The camels and asses bite the bulls with their teeth, and the elephants gore the bulls with their tusks or horns. Then the animals began to gore one another and devour one another. This corresponds to 1st Enoch 7.5, the giants consume each other. They terrify the entire earth, but in terms of what they eat, they stick to fare with a heavenly origin, the watchers and themselves. This reminds me of like Sumerian and Babylonian mythology. All these yeah. about the, the gods all being kind of related and the the younger gods killing the older gods to take their thrones yes, that, yeah and i think Hellenic. you know the argument is there to be made that that all of that stuff goes back to the sumerian mythology right or all, or it actually happened in reality. And well, I don't think going back to the Sumerian out. mythology makes okay. it makes it not real. Right. Okay, how about how about this? How about this? You look at you look at Cornelius Agrippa, the founder of the Western esoteric tradition, the origin of the OTO. Cornelius Agrippa. Okay, Cornelius Agrippa. Where's all of his stuff coming from? Chaldea. Cool. Via Egypt. Via Islam. So, I mean, we do well, have, and like, Judaism, Judaism, Christianity to a lesser extent, but uh, I think we can give a decent amount of credit to Islam for the bringing of the Hermetic to Egypt. I mean, from Egypt to Europe. You're I welcome. <laughs> I farted, farted in my face. Asian and white mouths farted in my face. Plunit Zero says, so alien god things genetically manipulate the the best ape men and then make giant mixed breeds. Sort of. Based on dead cannibal powers. Trey says, Enoch gets really wild later on. There's reference to uh, end of day's vision. It ties into the as as in the days of Noah, which really gets you thinking when it says they sinned against man and beast. As in the days of Noah. I don't know. Explain that more. Explain that more to me. I do like a lot of the the end of times uh, visions. I like you even have like the book of Jude quoting them directly. So in the canonical uh, book of Jude, you have direct quotes to to um, the the non canonical sources. Yeah. Well, here's a quotable quote: uh, Yeti and Sasquatch fart in my face. Teach me to fly UFOs into space. It's true. True. The Animal that's Apocalypse. Chinese uh, new mixtape. <laughs> the Animal Apocalypse recounts an archangel giving a sword to the giants, with which they destroy one another. And one of these archangels drew a sword and gave it to those elephants and camels and asses, and they began to strike one another, and the whole earth quaked because of them. The animal's use of the sword strains the allegory of the text, suggesting that this is an image that was part of the tradition received and adapted by the author of the animal apocalypse, rather than an innovation on his part. 
This is also indicated by Jubilees 5-9, which, as mentioned above, describes the reception of an angelic sword by the giants. The animals of the world perish in the flood, rather than because of the activities of the giants. The reformulation of the theme of the giants' consumption in the animal apocalypse presents the crimes of the giants primarily as a supernatural issue, in that they har the harm they inflict against the Watchers and each other. Their damage perpetrated against creatures of the earth is minimized. The gargantuan appetite of the giants is most clearly evident in the G-Pan text of Watchers, but is attested more broadly in other early Jewish writings that recount the Watchers' story. Despite the different ways they present this motif, the animal apocalypse and the Book of Giants connect the giants' rampages on the earth to their insatiable appetite. The Book of Jubilees shows familiarity with the trope that the giants cause destruction by eating, but, in its reformulation of primordial history, associ associates cannibalism with antediluvian creatures in general, rather than just the giants. That's interesting. It almost, it reminds me of, like, people understanding uh, the verses sinning against these animals as genetic manipulation. So, uh, yeah, almost I'm saying that there were, like, a bunch of, like, uh, monster races or whatever that were there consuming. There were. Yeah. There were. And that was, the, that was the line of thinking that many of the early archaeologists had when they found dinosaur bones. Yeah. Is that the yeah. world was populated by giant monstrous lizards and giant men. It's, it's true. And I think in the non-colonical sources, it does reference dragons in the Ark of Noah. I could be wrong. Getting that it's possible. A, Definitely not in a canonical uh, source. Kent Howard lecture. Kent Hovind? Is there, is there a story of, of Moses killing a dragon in Egypt? No. Um, um, man, I, it's, it's fucking ringing a bell. Yeah. And I have heard, yeah. I, I might be remembering that St. George reference. Um, it's not canon. It's not canon. canon. The, here's ah, the dinosaurs in the Bible as far as I know. I'll, let me try to think for a second. We got Leviathan. We have yeah. the, the giant yeah. sea beast. We have uh, Behemoth, who is the beast of the land, who they say was like a rhino or a hippopotamus, but the description to me doesn't work at all. It's a giant fish. Well, Behemoth was a land creature. Um, a giant landfish. You have what else do you have? You have burning serpents called seraphim. Um, yeah. But the burning serpent thing and like flying serpent, feathered serpent. I, you can if you want to make a dinosaur argument, it's fucking there. It's fucking in there. What else is there? Well, there's there are a up. few references I'm to dragons in the Bible. I, I've heard one one, one story like I heard is that in Egypt in Egypt there was. A a, a uh, crocodile god. Sobek was the crocodile god, but they actually had like a, cro a big ass fucking crocodile in a temple, and this thing was referred yeah, to in Hebrew as their word for dragon, which I can't remember right now. Tahin or some weird thing like that. I don't know. There there is a there is a Persian there is a Zoroastrian tale similar to Saint George, but uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to do some digging. The the idea about dinosaurs in the ark, uh, the thinking is that, and I wish I had the exact, you know, verbiage right in front of me here, um, that all of the animals in the ark 
were all animals with nostrils. It was all the animals with, with like nostrils, as we mm. conceive of them. No blowholes. There, there's some sort of phrase like that, which implies that if there were dinosaurs there, they would have been on the ark. And then the usually the argument goes that um, after the flood, Earth was a totally different place. Like, I don't know exactly. Pre-flood, the Earth was was like all temperate. There was never any like storms or anything like that. There was no rain, but there was always like a mist in the air, and there was always like springs under the Earth giving out fresh water. Brightly colored. So it was it was like a like a I don't know like utopian Earth before the flood. Then the flood happened, and it broke the Earth. And then the, the atmosphere yeah. changed. Everything changed at that point. The Earth was, was a more fucked up place with more storms and natural events that, that just fuck our shit up. People lived a lot less long. They'd go from living 800 years to living 100 years. Um, and then you, if you apply that no, apply that to dinosaurs that would have been on the Ark. They are big creatures that were made for, for that ecosystem, for that atmosphere, for that time. Now the birds. And now, but the, my point is, though, that the earth was broken. So they weren't able to get as big. They weren't able to live as long. And from that point, dinosaurs would have gotten smaller and more sickly or something like that. And that's what brings us to the St. George story where he killed a small dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thinking. I think dinosaurs on the Ark is, is kind of a silly notion, but like what's, what's silly at this point? I don't know. I don't know. Well, the Ark was actually a space station controlled by the Elohim, as I learned from a race car driver magazine journalist. Race war magazine? Race car driver magazine journalist. Blood and the Retribution Against the Giants. Daniel Daniel killed a dragon. Yes. Hmm. Can you read that to me? And in the in in Job, there is also another dragon. Read Which this stuff. Give me context. Chase? You can't just say something like that. Chandul um, is Job a type of dragon four, you can chase. Forty-one, twenty-one. His breath kindled coal, likened to a. Huh? Is breathing I fire, thought... but it was a sea creature, right? Okay, Isaiah 14. Hold on, hold on, go back to Job. Rejoice, uh, not thou whole Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken, and out of the serpent's root yeah. shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. The fiery flying serpent is, is a seraphim. The, the word yeah. would be interchangeable with it. And I don't know what exactly that would imply. What was the Job reference? That's the one I'm interested in. Okay. Were you talking about a, a sea creature that was breathing fire is what I want to know. Yeah. Because that is Leviathan. Rejoice, thou whole, not ye serpent broken, but his uh, cockatrice shall be of Firely Job forty one twenty. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke, as out of a heaving pot or cauldron. And there, there's a description of a dragon in Job. Uh, and in Daniel fourteen twenty five. I believe that Job reference is to Leviathan. 
It sounds just like Leviathan. The context is right on point. leave, O king, and I will kill this dragon without sword or club. And the king said, I give thee leave. So the story with the story of Daniel is he puts peat and like tinder inside a dragon's mouth. And the dragon tries to breathe fire and the tinder like causes it to internally combust and explode. Dude, I've seen cool. this dude. I've seen this guy. He's like packing his mouth full of sawdust and then he does something where like he 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 like puffs air in and out of his mouth really fast and he does it in such a way that he can catch like the sawdust on fire with like some kind of crazy bullshit. Reptilian. And then he's got like flaming sawdust in his mouth and then he like does some tricks with it. Reptilian. No, blood he's just, he's and the retribution proud. against the giants. The conception of blood in priestly law in the flood story is important for understanding the crimes of the giants in the Book of the Watchers and other Enochic texts. The consumption of blood is prohibited in Genesis 9. The universal importance of the ban on blood consumption is highlighted by its inclusion in the covenant given to Noah. It is literally the first law promulgated in the Hebrew Bible. There is also a ban against the consumption of blood in Leviticus 17. In both of these texts, and in Deuteronomy 12, the rationale for not ingesting the blood is its association with the life of a living being. In Genesis 9-4, for example, it reads, only you, only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Leviticus 17-11 asserts, the life of the flesh is in its blood. In Genesis, this prohibition is associated with the retribution for murder, an unlawful spilling of human blood. The one who sheds human blood will have his own blood shed because people were created in the image of God. So this this all like refers back to Jesus, I feel like. The way that yeah, yeah. that well, predates that. That blood there's like a transaction when you spill spill blood. Like the transaction that, that, that Jesus that God made with his, his only son was that he would spill his son's blood to buy all of our souls. Essentially. Well, yeah, so we would be safe. Yeah. 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 He's based. That that's why why you shouldn't be too concerned about missing the mark. That element of the human being that is similar to God in his image is that which demands retribution when the person is unjustly killed. The shedding of his blood and subsequent release of his life force. A similar mindset is at work in Leviticus 17.11, which, as Milgram has argued, depicts killing for food as a capital, non-expiable crime, with God conceding that it is allowable if the life in the animal's blood is drained upon the altar, a ransom for the charge of murder. So, the, the blood being drained on the altar, that is a picture of Christ. And when the ancient Hebrews would sacrifice a lamb that was without blemish, they were they were... It was an image of of them killing Christ, which would happen one day. That would save everyone. It, that logo. was that was yeah. a show of faith. When they would do these animal sacrifices, it wasn't because God needed blood. It was a show of their faith in the Messiah who would come and that they would kill. But yeah. the popular okay. So, so let me get this straight. Every every year we gotta get a perfect little logos. Nice and alive, and take him out into a special place where we got some rocks nope. and a fire. You're missing the mark and completely. The sacrifice already it. happened. You missed it. Well, it's, yeah. do, ex- do explain. Jesus. Yeah, but before that. Yeah. 
the hell's wrong with killing an animal? They were farming animals. They were keeping them. Keeping yeah, yeah, no. I'm, up. I'm trying. I'm trying to understand the the logo situation, like the uh, hypernastic topographical. Well, from my from my position, the the relevance of the logos here is that the logos is eternal. It is uncreated. Therefore, yeah. they are showing their faith in something that is eternal that hasn't happened yet, but has all, always existed. So uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to understand. You get the sheep, which represent the logos, and then you put it on the rock, and then you kill it to spill the blood before yep. you eat it. For what reason exactly? Why why you do that? Well, I mean, besides eating the animal, they did eat the animal. I don't really see the problem here. Like why? I mean, now you you either eat the animal or you throw the animal in the special fire to burn it for God or a couple other disposal methods, but like. I'm confused about why the logos blood goes on the god altar. Because they would go, they would proceed to kill the logos when he showed up. Wow. Hmm. It was it was their faith in their own downfall that gave God favor. Their favor got gave God his gave them God's favor. It's too complicated for me. <laughs> I mean, this is this is shit that's not for people who are like reading fucking thousand year old tomes. Like, it's fairly yeah. practical shit. It's shit that that tells that that metaphorical, you know, that that parable tells that story, like without having to go and. That's and, a little simple. Yeah. yeah, this is for normal people. This for is for common people. Yeah. And I, I mean, frankly, like that meditation on death. To like cause a death, accept death, like that alone is a pretty invaluable thing as long as you're doing it in the service of God. And I think that's okay. something like a lot of people would go out of their way to avoid. And I think like that's why I love Christianity so much is because it makes you think about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the price of death. Where the fuck were we? Blood, oh, so understood, has a mythological power or force. It contains divine potency, and its shedding constitutes a transgression, not just against the victim, but against God, who endowed him with life by giving him a life force. I'm assuming that that word's meaning life force. This attitude towards blood is evident elsewhere in the primeval history of Genesis. When God confronts Cain about the murder of his brother, he points to the blood of Abel, crying out to me from the ground. This subsequent curse of Cain comes from the ground, which has received the blood of his brother. The text does not state so directly, but it seems that the life force of Abel is exposed in the blood on the ground, crying out for justice. Early Jewish literature likewise attests a dread of blood, a respect and fear for its potency as containing the life given by God. This is evident, for example, in the Temple Scrolls retelling of Deuteronomy 12. This chapter allows one to pour out the blood of a slaughtered animal on the ground like, like water when the killing occurs far from the sanctioned altar of God. In the Temple Scrolls rendering of this text, when one pours out the blood, it is to be covered. An addition that harmonizes Deuter Deuteronomy 12 with Leviticus 17, according to which one must cover the blood. The intent is not simply to prevent contact with the blood. The life force in the blood would cry out for atonement. And that, that sounds like Jesus crying out to God on the cross. This awkward problem is solved by covering the blood, and, and Jesus was covered by a veil. This awkward is, problem is yeah. solved by covering the blood, an act that smothers the complaint of the life force. 
Jubilees also oh. highlights the theme of blood pollution and its retelling of Genesis along the lines of Leviticus 17. Jubilees expands the universality of the prohibition against drinking blood, even though the giants themselves are never depicted as drinking any. In an embellishment of the Genesis story, after God gives Noah and his sons commandments, they swear not to eat blood. There's also an aside to Moses explaining that this story in the Torah was written so that he could enjoin the children of Israel not to eat the blood of animals. In Noah's deathbed testament, he urges his sons to neither shed nor ingest blood. The mindset of the book towards blood is is well expressed in Abraham's deathbed statements to Isaac. Be careful, my son, be extremely careful of blood. Cover it in the earth. The Aramaic Levi document, Levi document similar, similarly stresses that one should cover the spilled blood of an animal before it is consumed so that one does not eat in the presence of the blood. Presumably because the, in the flood story, this commandment is legiti- legitimated by an appeal to a book of Noah concerning the blood. This dread of blood, evident in early Jewish literature, shaped by the view that the life force resides in the blood, operates in watchers, even though the word is never explicit in the text. It is reasonable to understand the giants drinking blood as an exegetical expansion of Genesis. Watchers provides an answer to why Genesis 9 bans the consumption of blood. It is one of the heinous crimes that the giants committed before the flood. Since Watchers assumes that ingesting blood is a deplorable act, this presumably reflects some understanding of the treatment of blood in biblical law. To comprehend the perspective in Watchers, it is important to understand the blood as the seat of the life force. Drinking it is not simply a social taboo, nor is its ingestion just a heinous act that accompanies murder. It is a violation of the natural order established by God and thus constitutes a challenge against his dominion. Maud, are you here? Maud's deafened. I gotta ask him about the Muslim take on consuming yeah. blood. I think he's praying. <laughs> well, if if you if you're a Christian, you gotta drink blood. That's true. Yeah. That's the point, though. That's all the point. Where was I? Blood plays an important role in God's retribution against the giants. According to Jipan, after the transgressions of the Watchers' children in First Enoch seven three through five. Uh, states, then the earth brought an accusation against the lawless ones. The angels learn of the injustice by hearing the cry of humans as they are murdered. It is not explicit in the text, but it can be understood as stating that the life force in the spilled blood of the murdered victims is crying out. This would explain why the earth brings the accusation in 1 Enoch 7.6. It has been defiled by the life force in the blood, not unlike Genesis 4. It is possible that it is not the earth per se making the accusation, but rather the souls of the victims that have been spilled on the land. In Watchers, there is a connection between the cries of the victims and the spilled blood. Now I feel like we're getting somewhere here. Um, I've heard the take before that, okay, so you have these giants and they were consuming everything. They were consuming all this fucking blood and the bloodshed is what got them going. Then the flood happens kills all of the watchers and takes away their bodies but since they're not beings with with souls like humans since they're there's something else they're a mix of angel and human like they don't have the same attributes we do the the take i heard is that they basically get stuck on earth in corporeal forms at this point but their corporeal form died what's that their corporeal form died how you said it died 
No, their, their physical form died in the flood, but they were stuck on, on earth without bodies in corporeal forms. Now it says, rather the souls of the victims that have been spilled on the land. So it's the souls of the victims in that blood. And now they say that these corporeal the, forms that the Nephilim have, since they can't move on to whatever the fuck, um, these are the demons that possess people for their souls. So it's almost like a different way. Like there's a physical way of consuming someone's soul. And then there's a spiritual way of consuming someone's soul. Okay. Well, I can explain all of these phenomena. How would you like it cut? How would you like it sliced? Go on. Go on. Okay. Well, basically the human being is made up of the five elements, right? Okay. Like humors. No, the five elements. So, like the ether, the fire, the air, the water, the earth principles, the principal elements of the cosmos, like in ancient traditional thinking. Okay. Okay. So, then the human being inside the human body, the human body is a macrocosm or a microcosm of the macrocosm. It's a little world in the, in the big world. And so, yeah. if you if you want to find the akasha in the human body, there's a couple of different parts. There's like the center of gravity. There's the midline. There's the blood. There's the sperm. There's other things. These all have more akasha in them than other parts of the body. And so, the bones, for example, have more than like other things. Anyway, so. This is the most boring explanation I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. <laughs> it's been discounted, thoroughly discounted, dude. <laughs> Where the fuck were we? Yeah. Um. This would explain why the Earth brings the accusation at first. The United It has been defiled by the life force in the blood. Not on where. Where the fuck am I? In Watchers, there is a connection between the cries of the victims and the spilled blood. The Aramaic of 9-1 does not emphasize that the angels hear the cry, but rather, they look down from heaven and see the blood. They discern that much blood was spilled upon the earth, and that all the earth was filled with the wickedness and violence that was committed against it, which is the what happens to, to bring about the flood. The violence that fills the yeah. earth in Genesis 6 is understood not simply as the crimes of the giants, but also as the defiled, blood-stained condition of the earth as a result of their conduct. The motif of the earth bringing an accusation is also in the Book of Giants. This is most clearly attested in this fucking text. Through your fornication on the earth, and it has risen up against you, raising an accusation against you, and against the activity of your sons. The feminine form of the of the part participle, some fucking Hebrew word in line 10, suggests that its subject is earth. As Stuckenbrook has argued. So I, I always like uh, the symbolism as with earth as feminine, nature as feminine. That's something that comes up again and again. And like the masculine being like the ultimate, the the other side. Yeah. Okay, so the Yeti, the Yetis drank all the, all the soul power, all the blood of the peoples, right? And the animals. And that caused a grievance between the animal souls and all the soul, all the all the blood souls, and the yetis and God, right? Because sure. you can't. I tried right? to play blood souls, but I just got pissed off and quit after like a half hour. What? The Dark Souls <laughs> is also a difficult game, but many people like that. 
play that are plagued by it. Anyways, so then they got the um oh Jesus, what was that? Dog. Um Um I got goosebumps. Um I was the cord rubbing up against my shoulder. Oh, what the fuck are you talking headset. about? My headset spooked me. Anyways, so um the Yetis drank the blood which upset God and the blood people from whom the blood came right sure which is why when the yetis got deaded they became damned damned wraiths they became yeti wraiths cool and these yeti wraiths are hanging around incorporeal you know ethereal hell yeah because they got they got no body left but they got this grievance unresolved and all that soul power accumulates in them, so that's gotta get that's gotta get sorted out eventually. So just hanging around, waiting to resolve that. Oh, yeah. I was using corporeal wrong. I was mm. using it as the opposite. Incorporeal is that the word I was looking for for incorporeal. the like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Away from bodies. I got this. We got this, boys. Don't. Yeah, because they say like, like for example, they say Wendigo, and then. Dude, we're getting this guy a new microphone. Something. I swear to God. He's underwater. It's on, it's on the way. My house got flooded. <laughs> the victims, presumably in the the form of their souls that reside in the spilled blood, plead for retribution. Their cry comes from the earth. The cry of the earth should probably be understood as that of the souls lying on the ground in the blood. Uh, bloodshed is a major element of the crimes of the giants. Not surprisingly, the, the shed blood plays an important role in how the angels learn of their rampages on Earth and their decision to stop them. Death Eating Life The giants are not just murderers. They eat people and drink their blood. One reason for this is exegetical, as mentioned above. Positing such gruesome antediluvian crimes explains why the flood narrative ends with prohibitions against murder and the consumption of blood. This is a valid view, but should not be understood as the only reason for the inclusion of this motif in the Book of Watchers or the Book of Giants. Neither text, in contrast to Jubilees, includes a retelling of the prohibition regarding blood that is given to Noah. Also, appealing to Genesis itself does not explain the motif of anthropophagy. This trope is not in the biblical flood story. One must look beyond Genesis to explain the trope of cannibalism in Watchers and other Enochic texts. The literary combination of murder and consumption of human beings can be understood as an elaboration of an older tradition, attested in the Bible and the ancient Near East, of describing violence and death with language of eating. There is a tradition in the ancient Near East of depicting death as a force that eats life. Motu is the Canaanite god of death and the netherworld. In the Ugaritic Belu cycle... The regular extinguishment of life on Earth is attributed to him. This theme is expressed by his insatiable appetite. He wants to eat virtually everything that is alive. My throat is the throat of a lion in the wasteland, and the gullet of the snorter in the sea. And it craves the pool, as do the wild bulls, craves the spring, as do the herds of deer, and indeed, indeed. My throat consumes heaps of things, yes, indeed. I eat by double handfuls, and my seven portions are in a bowl, and they mix into my cup a whole river. 
This text is from a passage which Motu tauntingly asks Belu to invite him to a banquet. The metaphor of consumption also describes Belu's descent into the netherworld. So you must, for your part, descend into the throat of Motu, son of Elu, into the watery depths of the beloved warrior of Elu. Motu also roams the earth, looking for humans to devour, which, and these are references to, like, Satan and Satan's, uh, the, the angels who fell and reigned with him in hell. Um, yeah. Bungle Brothers. They talk about the watery depths. That's a word, I think it was Absu in uh, the Sumerian literature, but it was always talking about the underworld. And it was, it was always in reference brothers. to watery depths. Um, and the roaming the earth looking for humans to devour, that's specifically attributed to the devil in the Bible. The presentation of death as gluttonously devouring life appears in the Hebrew Bible as well. Hob? What the fuck is Hob? Why don't I know this? Habadiah or some shit? Habnab. I feel like an idiot for not knowing this. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.5 describes wealthy and arrogant people, for example, by asserting, they open their throats wide as Sheol, like death. They never have enough. So Sheol is usually translated hell. In, to uh, hell. Well, I mean, in the Bible, it, Sheol is referenced again and again. It's always translated as hell. It's I, I feel like it's often, um, it's often compared to Hades in uh, Greek mythology. And I think... Even Jesus would use the word Hades when he was talking about hell in the Bible, and it's it seems like it's just it literally just means Sheol, the darkness, to be away from God, to not have any life at all, to not not be able to laugh, cry, praise God, not nothing. You went to the dust. You're in darkness. You sleep. So does that mean technically the whole Greco-Roman pagan thing about crossing? The river of sticks and well, going I don't, I don't to think the Jesus earth. is talking about that. When G- when Jesus yeah. talks about Hades, I think he is literally talking about Sheol, but he's using Greek yeah. language because that, as was the fashion at the time. Yeah, and the Greeks would understand it. Yeah, and the Roman soldiers would understand it. So, uh, Psalm 73 describes the violence of the wicked by depicting them, like Motu, as devouring the entire cosmos. They set their mouths against heaven, and their tongue range, their tongues range over the earth. Numbers 16, which recounts the earth swallowing up the rebels of, rebels of Korah in the wilderness, can be understood as a variation on this theme of death-consuming life. There's also extensive biblical imagery that depicts military violence as a form of eating. Killing people with swords is commonly referred to in the Bible more than 70 times as slaying with the edge of the sword, or literally, with the mouth of the sword. While this root meaning of the preposition might not necessarily have been alive in the mind of early Jewish authors, they had ample biblical tradition to draw from that, that construes violence with mouth terminology and metaphors of eating. A double-edged sword is described as having two mouths. The image of the mouthed sword appears in Proverbs 5.4. This, exp- this is explained by Michael Fox, who writes, The blade of the sword is thought of as a mouth that eats its victims. The Hebrew Bible also contains metaphors that depict military violence as a form of consumption. A clear example is in Daniel 7. The second beast of this chapter is a ferocious bear with large teeth who is told by God, presumably, Arise, devour many bodies. This is often referred to as a reference to Russia in biblical prophecy, this bear. Uh. I disagree because the whole lumping bears with the thing, uh, that turned around because of the Crimean War 
Yeah. Because forwards is back. Forwards is back, and Bears are now, and Bears then were Russia now. As you well see, the, uh, the, the English were uh, not happy because uh, the Russians' war with the Ottomans cut off their supply of coffee. So all the political newspapers and media in England at the time depicted Russia as like this big savage bear cutting off English goods. So bears then are bears now, and Russia was a bear mm-hmm. then, so Russia was a bear in biblical times. You got Jerry Babb in the chat, Midwest Vikinger, whoop, whoop, boys, the Vikings still work in the fields. Nice. Blooned Zero, Blood Sausage, a.k.a. Black Pudding is so yummy. Yeah, that's good. Black Pudding Russian, he wants the the Mormon Jesus animation. We'll get to it next it's week. Good. We'll do we'll it's do all good. the Scientology shit and the Mormon shit next week. We're getting there. Uh, fuck. Where was I? As is well known, this was not intended to be understood literally, but rather as a symbolic depiction of the Second Kingdom in the book's Four Kingdom sequence. The bear is usually interpreted as a reference to the Median Kingdom which is urged to conquer Babylon. That actually makes more sense in the timeline of Daniel. It's consumption of humans. The Medes would have been Indo-European, so the bear would have been a fearsome animal. It's consumption of humans is a metaphor for the military violence carried out by this kingdom. The violence and power of the fourth beast is also conveyed by eating. It had great iron teeth and was devouring, breaking in pieces and stamping what was left with its teeth. The beast eats with its powerful iron teeth. Zechariah 9 also contains a good example of violence described as consumption. In this text, God is the divine warrior who marches into battle. He sounds the trumpet and appears against the assembled Gentile enemies. While he is on the battlefield, his people shall devour and tread down the slingers. They shall drink their blood like wine and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. That's pretty badass. In Daniel and Zechariah... First temple period because no, absolutely, I, not. Golden not. absolutely not. Golden bonds. Okay. I mean, Daniel. Golden bonds. Traditionally, Daniel is during the exile, or maybe okay, just so just after okay, okay. just after the exile. Maybe maybe around the time Cyrus would have. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Commissioned or something? Okay, Ordered the, the second exile. temple okay, to be exile. built. Commissioned. I was gonna say that's why there was the hostility towards the Gentiles. Because I was the well, there's a hostility towards the Gentiles until you get to the New Testament, and even then, it's kind of present. <laughs> All right, the Philistines, after the conflict, initially the archaeological say that they had a pretty good relationship with the other tribes of uh, Judea because they traded quite a bit with them. Yeah, I, I mean, there's times of war and times of peace. Yeah. It's fucking. Yeah. It's the way it goes. Golden bomb. Uh, in Daniel and Zechariah, images of eating flesh and drinking blood convey the totality of destruct- destruction that is inflicted by an army. Texts such as Daniel 7 and Zechariah 9 place the consumption of the giants and watchers in the Book of Giants in a broader literary context. The ferocious consumption by these in these chapters is to be understood as a metaphor, as mentioned above, that denotes military violence. In Watchers and the Book of Giants, the violence of the giants is not explicitly intended to signify the violence of an actual army, although it could be understood in this way. 
The cannibalism and blood drinking were intended to be interpreted in a much more literal way. The giant's crimes are not described as if they were eating bodies and drinking blood. Rather, that is the form their violence takes. These narratives contain stories about what actually happened in the primordial period. The Enochic depictions of the giants as ravenous murderers and cannibals can be reasonably understood as an intensification of a trope attested in, the ancient, is in, in ancient Israel of construing violence as a form of eating. This embellishment of an older literary trope produces a gruesome tale of cannibalism that gives the story of the giants more appeal as a narrative. The biblical tradition may itself derive from older West Semitic conceptions of imagining death as insatiable hungry, insati insatiably hungry to consume life. The destructive consumption of the giants can be considered an example of the recrudescence of ancient Near Eastern tradition and early Jewish literature. So is this guy saying it's all just a metaphor? He's saying that Jesus yeah, knew that Yeti was kind of a cannibal. It is. I, but I, I don't know that he is saying all of it's a metaphor or not. I, I can't quite know. You know, it he's down. saying Jesus Jesus knew Yeti was a, a cannibal on some level. Was it unconscious? We don't know. Was it conscious? We don't know. Here, here's the question. Here's, here's the big thing. Did Jesus whip Bigfoot like he did the uh, market Money changers? changers? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. What I know, I know is I know everything. And Jesus knew that Bigfoot was dangerous mountain monkey man. So danger, <laughs> danger zone. There is another reason I would suggest that the Enochic giants eat flesh and drink blood. As discussed above, the insatiability of their appetites drives their violence and destructiveness. I have also argued that the trope in the bi biblical flood story and priestly law that blood should not be consumed because it is the seed of life is important in both Watchers and the Book of Giants, even though neither of these texts state that the life force or the seed of life resides in the blood. The meaning of seed, seed of life as life or soul is related to its signification, signification of throat or appetite. Proverbs 27.7 reads, for example, The stated appetite spurns honey, but to a ravenous appetite, even the bitter is sweet. This double use of the term as the life that resides in the blood and as appetite as appetite is never explicit in Watchers or the Book of the Giants. Yet the characterization of the Giants as ravenous for blood can be easily understood as an additional evidence of the literary creativity of the author of First Enoch 7. At some point in the transmission of the Book of the Watchers, an author exploited and developed, it seems, the linguistic connection between seed of life as the life of a person that resides in the blood and seed of life as appetite it's the same Hebrew word that's been related to seed of life. I'm not There's totally a third sure seed means. they're forgetting. Well, I mean, you got, you know, you can't live if you don't eat, and then you got to eat by growing stuff. So, the it's appetite the seed function. The appetite of the giants and their recompense. The punishment of the giants fits the crime. As is well known, they physically die but continue to exist as spirits. They remain on the earth as evil spirits, which came forth from their bodies, presumably after they have been killed. Told the G-Pan of First Enoch 15.9 explains that these spirits arise because from above they were created. From the Holy Watchers was the origin of their creation, and the origin of their foundation. There's up. a bunch of fucking Greek words. Uh, following the latter variant, the verse explains the spirits of the giants as a product of their human and angelic parents. This reading is favored by Nicholsburg. 
But the former is supported by the Ethiopic Ethiopic, and expresses more clearly the viewpoint that Nicholsburg and others have articulated. The spirit of the giants comprises the part of their being that originates from their angelic fathers. Their flesh was a consequence of their fathers sleeping with human women. Their physical bodies are destroyed, but their angelic spirit remains. The Book of Giants yep. does not provide a full narrative on the on this issue, but also attests the idea that the giants will perish physically but remain in spiritual form. This text reads, for example, Many deeds of violence on the dry land. Not bones are we, and not flesh, and we shall be wiped out from our form. If the spirits of the giants represent the non-corporeal part of their being, acquired from their angelic fathers, their spirit should not be understood as seed of life, since this term generally signifies the spirit or life force of a human being. It seems rather that the spirits of the giants would have been denoted by this other fucking Hebrew word, signifying that these spirits are in continuity with their heavenly fathers rather than their earthly mothers. This word, however, is never clearly attested with this usage uh, in the extant Aramaic Enoch texts or the Book of the Giants. That an early version of the Watchers employed the term in this way is suggested by uh, Songs of the Sage, which consistently refer- refers to the spirits of the bastards to describe the spirits of the giants. That's fucking cool. I've never heard that before. Spirits the of the bastards. So they are bastards. I mean, technically their mother is yeah. an angel, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. If, if we're looking at, like, bastard, we're looking at the old form of it where it's like... Were you born of like uh, a noble marriage, or was it like you know out of wedlock? It, it's, I guess, this in the sense that angels and humans can never actually be married. They can never cleave to each other the way humans do. A dingle dangle person hanging out there where you shouldn't be. As Wright and others have stressed, Watchers presumes the existence of evil spirits who harm mankind. In First Enoch fifteen, provides an etiology etiology of their etiology. The activities of the spirits of the giants resemble the evil deeds they committed in physical form. They, for example, commit iniquities, destroy, and wrestle. Based. There is, however, one key difference between their actions as spirits and the crimes they committed before their bodies were destroyed. They cannot eat. They eat nothing, but rather fast and are thirsty. The opinion that divine spirits cannot eat is attested in early Judaism. This is evident from the Book of Tobit. The angel Raphael explains that... That when in the when in the guise of a human being, Azariah, Azariah, he appeared to be eating and drinking, but actually did not. In a similar way, in the Testament of Abraham, God makes it seem as if the archangel Michael eats human food, when in fact he does not. A similar viewpoint pervades the Gospel of Luke. In the appearance uh, story that concludes this Gospel, the disciples think they see a ghost. To prove to them that he is not, the resurrected Jesus eats fish in front of them. The Book of Watchers in First Enoch 15 takes the idea that spiritual beings do not eat physical food and turns it, fittingly, into part of the punishment allocated to the giants, whose insatiable appetites are a key factor in their crimes. The text never states that their appetite for human flesh has been removed. The spirits of the giants should be understood as hungry, although this is not stated directly. The fact that they are thirsty implies that they have a desire to drink that is not being satisfied. This suggests not that the spirits of the giants willfully abstain from food, but rather that they have an urge to eat that they cannot appease. Given their crimes on earth, this is an appropriate punishment. So now we have these very hungry spirits, and they're 
the things they crave are not, it's not just food. It's all of the pleasures of the flesh, but without their bodies, they cannot experience it. So what they do is they possess humans so that they can live vicariously through them, experiencing their experiences. Yeti became a hungry ghost and a hell being. True. The giant. That is interesting. I mean, that's the that's the, that's the thing is the uh, never thought of it like that. But yeah, that does like not a spirit, or at least yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Never heard Yeti that. Yeti became that a hungry that. ghost. Yeah. And if you listen to them, um, left hand path gaylords, they tell you all this same stuff. Them demon lords that they worship is just dead giants that lived uh, before the flood times and then now they're in spirit and you can get their gaylord powers by you know being obeisant to them the giant's lack of contentment as spirits conveyed elsewhere in first enoch 1511 i suggest although the text is not fully clear on this point just before it states that they do not eat, the Greek has an enigmatic phrase. They make races. Yakub! Yakub! <laughs> Nicholsburg does not oh, find oh a clear God. sense. What? I've always heard the races origin comes from like Noah's son. Yes. Wait, no. Like uh, like we're all descended of yes. uh, mostly of Japheth. Yes. Japheth, and then Shem, Ham. Japheth. Am I missing anybody? Yes. No, it's those. And then, like, the Semites are all Shem's. Yes. Yes, and the Hamitic peoples. It's been argued. Like, they usually say the Hamitic people are the African people, but it's sometimes... Sometimes the Asians are lumped in there. Sometimes they're lumped in with the Japhetic races. It's weird. Nicholsburg does not find a clear sense in this passage, suggesting that it translates this fucking Hebrew word, which can mean running, but also oppression. He speculates further that this fucking word of the Vorlage was itself a corruption of illness, which he then cautiously uses in his translation of 1511. The Ethiopic does not seem to translate directly either of these fucking G-Pen or G-Sync. Rather, it has the verb Hazana, to sadden. Nib, all, Nib thus translates, cause sorrow, adding that the references to running in the Greek make no sense. I tentative, tentatively suggest that this fucking Greek shit is an authentic text and should be understood as Lectio Difficilior, which was not reproduced in the Ethiopic because its sense was not understood. Man, I'm, I'm trying so hard. I think we're still talking about this Greek word that means running. Uh, this word does not exclusively signify athletic contests, but can signify running or swift movement in general. Wright asserts, asserts, but does not examine the opinion that First Enoch 1511 depicts the spirits of the giants as roaming and wandering. Nectern Delicio. I agree, and think that this imagery is conveyed by the phrase, fucking Greek shit. It's all Greek to me, dude. <laughs> the expression signifies the constant movement of the spirits of the giants. So it's once again talking about like uh, a, a roaming lion looking to devour. Uh, unlike the Watchers, who are bound and imprisoned in the valleys of the earth, the valleys of the earth, that's interesting. So it's inside the earth, like inside the rock of the earth. Do you know what I mean? Hollow it's almost earth. like hollow earth shit. Yeah, See, hollow earth but shit. I'm not even getting necessarily hollow earth shit. I'm, I'm like thinking about like the little people living in the fucking the races. boulders type thing. Races. 
So they are bound and imprisoned in the valleys of the earth to await judgment. There is no suggestion in First Enoch 15 that the spirits of the giants are fixed to a single location. So the giants being the sons of the watchers, the watchers being like pure angels. Yeti Nazis live in the hollow earth with the fairies. They're waiting for the end times. They're getting judged. <laughs> the activities they are to conduct as spirits indicate that their movement is not restricted. The idea that they roam the earth accords well with the view that they are hungry. They are restless spirits. Their retribution for eating humans and other creatures of the earth, it seems, is that they must remain eternally hungry. This lack of contentment helps explain their wandering and their disagreeable state, producing a willingness to disturb the affairs of humankind. In spirit form, the giants can no longer consume blood. It is not emphasized in the text, but this is an important consequence of this punishment. The recompense addresses the complaint of the victims whose blood cried out from the ground. The spirits of the giants can still trouble humankind, but they cannot spill or defile the seat of life in the blood. Above, I argued that the crime of drinking blood should be understood not only as a heinous act, but also a direct flouting of God's authority, since the blood is the seat of the soul. The spirits of the giants are rooted in the human realm, the earth. There is no sense that they can ascend to heaven or have the ability to challenge God's dominion. The goal of the text is not only to explain the continuing presence of malevolent divine forces in operation on the world, it is also to indicate that they no longer pose a threat to God. That the giants, in spirit form, can no longer consume blood is an important way that the text conveys this point. Conclusion The spread of evil on the earth in the primordial age has been a focal point in scholarship on the Book of Watchers. In this article, I have attempted to explore how ancient Enochic texts recount the crimes of the offspring of the Watchers on Earth and their recompense. The evil that increases on the Earth takes the form of the giants murdering and consuming creatures of the Earth. Not unlike their angelic fathers, who cannot restrain their sexual desire for the women of the Earth, the giants cannot control their appetites for the food of the Earth. Their insatiability drives their actions and has disastrous consequences for the earth and themselves. The role of their appetite in their crimes is reflected in the form of the punishment they receive. They are forced to remain on the earth as spirits that cannot eat. This should be interpreted, I have suggested, as meaning that they are punished by being hungry and yet being unable to sate that hunger. The themes of consumption as well as murder, anthropophagy, anthropophagy, try that one, and the drinking of blood are prominent in the Book of Watchers and in other Enochic texts such as Jubilees, the Animal Apocalypse, and the Book of Giants. All of these texts reformulate the Watchers' myth. Despite their differences, they all prominently appropriate the themes of appetite and consumption. The monstrous appetite of the Giants are critical for understanding the consequences of the Watchers' descent and sexual activities on Earth. That's the end of that fucking shit. Yes. Has everybody learned one. something? I did. I learned a joke story time. What? Okay. Well, seventy-five percent of what you've said tonight has been incomprehensible to me. <laughs> yeti, a yeti, a, a fairy, and a reptile person walk into a hollow earth bar. Okay. Sure. And the yeti says to the fae, "I'm thirsty." Gotcha. And the reptile, the reptile says to the bartender, "What's good?" And then the Yeti says, sex in UFOs with the daughters of men while doing anthropophagy menageries. Okay. 
Still incomprehensible, but that's fine. That's what I learned tonight. Do you guys want to watch my fucking Baked Alaska We Love Our Cops remix? That's a yes. That's a fucking hard yes if I've ever heard one in my entire fucking life. Pretty this much. is me and UK and fucking Polak disappear. Purple niggas on mute for whatever reason. That's true. He's, he's praying fucking praying. He's on his carpet right now. Having a magic carpet ride, dude. Polak's <sighs> up. Now, here's, here's, I'll be fucking flat with everybody tonight. Um, I've been working a lot. I didn't put together a fucking Sorry show. <laughs> Yeah, Polak I didn't, didn't, I didn't get shit in this week either, yeah. We intended to do, to do Scientology, maybe throw Mormonism in there, get a little bit of Nation of Islam. So we're probably yeah, going to do all that next week. Um, but I do want to burn a little bit more time. What's the deal with that yeah, DC well, shooter? Is this another shooter that just went by the wayside and nobody even knows what the fuck happened? Who cares anymore? You can say that, but like... And people were fucking... You're looking at that... There's that picture... Where it's like a hotel room with a yeah, bunch of Yaku. guns on the table and Yakub's fucking poster. Yakub, yeah, Yaku, whatever Yakub. The big headed Neva who who created the white man <laughs> on the Isle of Patmos, according to the Nation How of Islam. Many... I got one question. I got one question about this whole situation. How many FBI employees did this guy talk to on the rig? I just need a straight answer about that one, and that's that's I, all. I, I guess, but like, I'm not even on the fucking call everything a psyop train anymore. Like. Yeah, I'm not people are either. absolutely my, psychopathic, just... and they're absolutely killing each other just for fun. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I think the last few years, the last few years, have really brought out like the fucking psychopathy. Well, I remember like, bringing I mean, this up like, yeah. way back in the day with like fucking bigger yeah. names, and they're they're every time there's like a shooting, they have to be like, oh, they're like no, people would never do this. This is the feds again. But it's like. Maybe maybe society has been backed enough into a corner where they just start fucking blasting. <laughs> like I think I really yeah, think that might be where we're at here. Yeah, remember the fucking video of the snow the snow shovel incident where the the dude just has it and fucking gets goes inside and gets an AR and just blasts yeah, his neighbors. Yeah. That, that is a Stuff fucking video. depressing yeah. video. God damn. Mud, mud. Give me the rundown yeah. on uh give me the Muslim take on consuming blood. Uh, it's bad. It's I want more than substance. We figured it's the life, the life essence violation of uh, blood pudding. The 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 human forms were like incarnate beings. You're making me want blood pudding now. So, I'm gonna get blood pudding. So that basically is the exact same rationale as like in the Old yeah. Testament. Yes. Cool. Cool. Do you have any takes on uh, the the Nephilim being disembodied spirits possessing people? No. Okay, <laughs> thank you for I, that. I, I I believe that the Nephilim were were giantish giantish creatures. That's true. Well, but that's, but like that that's the story is like post flood they were destroyed, and they lived well, on as as non corporeal beings with demons with. With Islam, it's it's a lot different. We believe that the majority of the antediluvian creatures were wiped out with the flood, but uh, some creatures did survive, and they formed their own little pockets, and slowly humans began to kill them off. So, like you have the tribe of Ad, who were a 
tribe of giants in the Levant who are mentioned in the Quran and are, are destroyed by the uh, the prophet Hud was uh, was among them and uh, he basically called for God to relieve these people of these man-eating giants and so God called up a big sandstorm that destroyed the giant civilization and nothing was left of them. Are uh, Gog and Magog connected to this in any way? They they might be giants. We don't need descriptions of Gog and Magog in the Islamic theologies that they're big, hairy, and have tusks. See, so, sandstorm, when we sandstorm. get descriptions of the Nephilim or the giants in this text having tusks, I think it's safe to assume that Magog and Gog and Magog are, are of the giant folk. It is interesting. The we tusks. did hear in uh, the Animal Apocalypse that, that the creatures that slew the Watchers, the Nephilim that slew the Watchers, did have tusks. And that's probably yes. where the goring aspect came from. Some depictions of Goliath, for instance, have him with fangs. Nice. It almost makes you, because we're talking about blood sucking, now we're talking about fangs. It almost sounds like... Vampires, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ghoul, ghoul becomes undead. And then you have, like, the adrenochrome connection that someone in chat brought up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Human beings are, are powerful beings, and if you can if you can suck the life energy out of a human being, you've got a pretty good battery, pretty good power supply. All right. Which, uh, brings me to the there's like other stuff in the Islamic theology. Like there were there were a race of hobgoblin that used to harass caravan. Yeah. Well, Glog and Maglog were just petuscid yetis that got chased into their desert cave holes by a desert god with a, mm. with a windstorm. <laughs> okay, well that's about twenty five percent accurate. <laughs> windstorm. Not every yeti has teeth that are tusks. Most. Most of have two penises. I I have That's heard right. I have heard stories of Bigfoot with tusks, with like protruding yeah. fangs or something like that. Not all. Yeah, gorillas, Not all. male gorillas have like canines that protrude. Sure. There you go. That's true. Like if you see a male gorilla, like he'll bare his teeth when he's like fighting off another one. I never see male gorillas. Only female gorillas. <laughs> They're hot. What about Harambe? Dude, I would have <laughs> fucked that gorilla to death. I hate that gorilla. I, I, fucking, I got kicked out of the trailer park because of that fucking gorilla. True story. Cat is the Korean Korean the, uh, the Oxycontin yeah, by, <laughs> by the fucking the, the Oxy gorilla. The big biker all tweaked Oxy. out on fucking Oxys and Valiums. Oh, yeah. and this dude, did you hear about the gorilla? Did you hear? Did you hear about that? Let me pull it out. Let me come into your room and fucking pull. Let me get on your computer real quick and pull up this fucking gorilla. Did you see what they did to this gorilla? I'm fucking glad they killed the goddamn gorilla, okay? Ran, piece of shit. 
I'm glad I got kicked out of your fucking trailer with your fucking psycho ass son who just listened to Eminem and played Grand Theft Auto constantly. It's fucked up, dude. Dude, and look, it's funny too. I'm over here drinking fucking Red's Wicked App, Wicked Wicked Black Cherry, actually. Fuck this guy. He would fucking eat like five oxies, about fucking ten kalanapins, and then he'd start chugging this shit. The fucking Red's Wicked. This dude would be so fucking lit, just barging into my room in the middle of the night to yell about Arambe. The fuck out of my room! What the fuck do I pay you for? I I am renting this room. <laughs> See, this is when you this is when you start channeling the nephilim. Is that true? Eat, eat his ass. Cloica. <laughs> it's true. So with that. I think that's all we got for the evening. We fucking did our best. Korean. Not bad, not bad. I do want to play... Korean, yeah. I'm going to play us out with this fucking new Baked Alaska remix that I made with some shitty app that fucking brings me much joy. It sparks joy to me. Skin to the good part. Oh, it's all good Cute. part. It is all good part, dude. Scar talking about blood libel in the chat. The Koreans are vampires. The elite Koreans drink blood. That's true. That's true. Let's play the shit. Squid games. Yeah, it's all just a squid game. We all live in a squid game. That's the problem. Korean Yeti drinks silly black cherry blood. Silly black cherry blood. We love a military bear important. Love the video. Should I? It's not much of a video. It's a good thing that some like you know military industrial complex contractors of Korean pop music. All I have to do is just drink some calm. Or blood. Big base, big base Alaska fans here. Our boy heading to fucking trial. Nick Quintez says if he gets locked up on some bullshit, he's going to have him killed in prison. Kill him. <laughs> I, I want nothing more than for someone to kill Baked Alaska on livestream. Can they stream? Do we have to get... we have to smuggle? Okay, here's what we do. We shove a phone up Matt's ass, he'll get arrested, sent to prison, and I'll shit out the phone and give it to Baked Alaska. So he can stream his own death. Wait, wait. Why, why don't we get him in to see Chris Chan instead? Chris Chan? Give him Chris Chan content. to Chris Chan in the mental facility. Yeah, give him Chris Chan content. Oh, it's so dank. Who would have thought some stupid AI app could give me this magic? I love it. AI app. All I gotta do is dial now.
Thank you very much for joining us. Next week, we'll be back. Go to yakalbees.com. Hit that merch tab, patreon.com slash yakavalive if you want to come hang out in the fucking Discord. Homies, fucking, we'll get back to you. Scientology, Mormonism, all that bullshit. Catch you later, motherfuckers.